Well, thank you so much to Mark for that. I, I don't know how many of you have met Mark Cavanaugh before, but he is just one of the most reassuring people that God has placed in my life. And as an elder of this church, I'm glad he got to share a few words and a prayer with, with you today. Hey, uh, this time of year, I find myself making more than a few trips to my shed. And that's a crazy place to be because inside my shed, I have got like three different shovels, um, four different rakes, and two different lawnmowers. And sometimes I wonder, why, why do I got all this stuff? Uh, especially because uh, I, I could remember a time when it was far simpler than this. Uh, for a while during my graduate studies, Melissa and I lived in a trailer park and um, among the 50 units or, uh, or so in this trailer village, they had one common shed. And uh, in that common shed was, was a rake. And if that one rake broke, someone else would buy another one and, and, and replace it for, for everyone else who was there. They had one lawnmower. And if the lawnmower needed repair, one person would repair it. If the lawnmower needed gas, another person would uh, fill it up with gas. And that's just kind of how it went. You had a common need like mowing a lawn and, and you shared it as a common answer of just having one shed and one lawnmower and all that. And there's part of me that craves that kind of simplicity in life and wonder why, why can't we do more things like that? Uh, Mother's Day was a couple weekends ago and I got to visit my grandmother, sort of. Uh, she's in a retirement community and she's in a wing that is currently not letting residents out and only letting staff in. So my Mother's Day experience with grandma was on the phone uh, while she is inside of her living room, but I'm standing in the courtyard outside her building in front of her window knocking on it and it's, it's raining and I'm talking to grandma and she's just so sad and, and lonely right now. And as sad as that is uh, for my grandmother, I couldn't help but think that's actually the loneliness I see uh, a lot where she doesn't make it out of her room often. Even, there's a even though there's a community space. And even in that community space, uh, everyone is just kind of angled at a television. There's all sorts of these residents who are struggling with the common need of loneliness. I feel like the common answer for loneliness would be as simple as let's all turn our chairs a quarter degree over towards each other and then the common need becomes a common answer. Why couldn't it be that simple? Or, you know, if I go down the list of all the missional communities I've been a part of over the years, there, there are so many common needs and so many common answers that are out there. I was in a missional community as a young newlywed, first year of marriage, just, just kind of uh, desperate that first year to figure this thing out. And having that same common need with others who are also in their first year of marriage, that common answers came out of that. Uh, there were stages where like I was the confused parent as the kids got older and I entered a new parenting stage and it never seemed to fail that God always put another parent in my missional community that had common answers from being a few steps ahead of me. There's other times where I've just been flat out hurting. Pain's a common thing. Uh, but I knew when that dozen people or so came over on a Wednesday night that someone was going to care about my needs the, like they were their own. And, and I'd, I'd like to think that it's gone the other way too. 
that God does not keep placing me in these missional communities to be the sponge, but that somehow me and my family have been uh, the common answer to a common need for other families that they've come together. And I, I just think that this is what God does with us. And, and there's a spiritual thing that's going on that becomes a practical thing. The collision of our common everyday needs find common answers in everyday relationships. Now, you know, if you, if, if you really look around right now, you, you can tell that there are common needs out there, aren't there? You know what they are because they're common. Uh, pandemics create loss of income. Pandemics create fear. Pandemics create uh, isolation and, and health issues. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to know that those are needs that are in common out there right now. On top of the stack of uh, common needs that we all have uh, every day anyway, uh, that's what our world is at. We already hold these needs in common. Maybe it's time to start holding the answers in common as well. And maybe to get there, it's as simple as sharing a lawnmower or turning a chair a quarter degree, so to speak. Uh, last, last week I took you to Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Um, I'll read it for you again. It says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So for them to proclaim the greatness of King Jesus, the revolution of God's love and God's forgiveness that was secured for us at the cross, to, to capture all that and teach it and proclaim it, they did it in two ways. Uh, one of those ways was in the temple courts, and the other way was gathered house to house. Those two gatherings is what constituted the church for them. They called both of them church. Those were the two halves. Uh, nowadays, we, we, we call one uh, the Sunday worship service, and we call the other one missional community. And we're used to calling the first one church, but we got a, uh, some work to do to call the second one church. And that's, that's one of my missions in the course of this series, that by the time we are done, that those house-to-house -house gatherings that are happening in missional communities, that you would call that the church too and live the church out there too. Because that is the other half of what the church is. And I feel like God's given us this perfect storm right now where we get to see it in all the emphasis it deserves. Because the Sunday service gathered together in a big building setting is more fragile than ever. And I think God's making us take a look at what we're meant to be house to house. So today, just another story. Another story from the house-to-house -house gatherings of that first century church. And today's stories are going to be about how they took a common need and met it with common answers. All right, so if you've got a Bible on you, please turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be uh, starting in verse 32 today, and I'll be reading for you there. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet." And it was distributed to anyone who had a need. Uh, we're going to take that line by line. And 
let's, let's start by zeroing in on, on the first one. It said all the believers were one in heart and mind. Other translators have said that they were one in heart and soul because the wording that's being used here is a lot uh, deeper than just having kind of an intellectual agreement. This was like at the core of who they were of identifying with each other. Everyday relationships just couldn't help but happen. It was their faith in God that just drew them into community and connection with each other. But after getting into community and connection with each other, then that pushed them out even further into what their faith in God was and how that was uh, developing and growing. Now, we've got a long way to go in our world today to open ourselves up with that kind of depth of relationships. But we've got a good start. That's what I see happening in our missional communities. You know, when someone chooses to open their home to, to a community of others, when someone chooses to share dinner with a community of others, when people choose to learn together instead of just alone, when people pray together instead of just praying for themselves, when people respond to the needs of someone else instead of just fixating on their own needs, like that is, is what we're talking about. Uh, this, this past Monday, we gathered for the first time Lake Point's very first uh, online-founded missional community. Um, it happened on Monday night, and it was fun to get all these different people from so many different backgrounds. Some people have been in a, a community like this before. For some, it was the first time. Uh, some aren't even in town yet. They're, they're, they're moving in. We have one person who's never attended a physical Lake Point service before, but still looking to connect in community since she's been connecting with us online. And, and I, I just love it because this is what God does is when someone's like, man, I want what God has for me and I want to grow, there's something that just compels us into relationships like this. And this is the kind of stuff that we got to build on and keep going further with because here's where the proclamation of the resurrected King Jesus really takes shape in our lives. It's through relationships. All right, so think of it this way, Okay. Jesus was the grace of God to us. And inside a transformation of that grace, we therefore practice grace towards others. Or uh, Jesus is the way and the truth to us. And when we live out his ways amongst others, other people experience his ways. And when we open our mouths with the truths of Jesus, other people get to hear the truth of Jesus with us. Jesus was the love of God for us and how we choose to flip around and become the love of God for our neighbors. And you can just keep going down the list, right? It doesn't matter if you're talking service, sacrifice, generosity, all these things from Jesus that transforms who we are. It, it turns around and affects everyone else around us. Like, what is grace? Unless it gets to the person who's crushed under judgment right now. What is love? If you don't have a neighbor in front of you. What is service and sacrifice if you are the only person in your room? This stuff just doesn't work in isolation. The gospel of a resurrected King Jesus drives us into relationship. And because it keeps driving us there, those relationships get more consistent and they get more clear and they gather other people that also believe in Jesus. And that's where the church is expressing itself house to house. And it helps. But it doesn't stop there either. Here's where the everyday relationships in your everyday circle come into play. Because like by the time that you're experiencing and flourishing in the love of Jesus, 
uh, because of your church relationships, what are you going to do? Are you going to turn off that love when you're around other people? Or is it going to keep spreading naturally when you get to see the kingdom of God grow through your generosity with your church relationships? Are you going to choose to be less generous when people outside the church cross your path? Or, or more generous? It just doesn't work that way. Like when it is on, it is on. And it stays on. Uh, what Jesus has planted in you grows when you come together in relationships. But it keeps growing in such a way that it, it will read it, seed itself to the next field and the next field and the next field after that. And in that regard, house to house is very much a church thing. But house to house is never just a church thing. Because those relationships that you have in faith that are growing the things of God in your life are naturally going to spill themselves into your everyday circles. Whether that's your neighborhoods, your networks, your schools, your workplace, your city. It can't help but spread. So house to house is the church gathered. But house to house is also what's spreading to your neighbor as well. It's powerful. It's got some transformation, and that's where we're going to go over to the next line here. Second half of verse 33, it says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Okay? That, that was the power. Now, I find it interesting because, like, if I was going to point to the power of these early gathering of, of church people, I might have pointed towards the miracles. Those were going on. People were being healed. That was like the supernatural stuff. But to explain the power of God among them, they didn't actually point to the supernatural stuff. What did it say in our text here? It pointed to no needy persons being among them. It pointed towards every ordinary needs being met. Uh, and that's important to see. Because uh, I think a lot of times when you and I think about the king kingdom of God, we think about it like, man, it's a heart thing. It's a little bit of a waiting game. It's a not until heaven kind of thing. But man, Jesus is here. The kingdom of God is here in power. It is tangible. It is incarnate. The love of heaven is, in fact, here on earth. The physical touch of Jesus is truly known through the physical touch of people like you and I. He calls us his church. He chose the metaphor of calling us his body, like something physical, expression. That's what we are. And here's the difference. It's not about waiting for Lake Point Church to organize the next big project. It's not about waiting for another charity drive. It's, it's, it's not about whether or not we can do mosquito feeds in a, in a year of pandemic. It's grassroots. It's life on life. It's the kind of stuff that really does get expressed best house to house. The kingdom of God gets known when you know your neighbor and their need where they're at. And then choose to respond with a common answer as well. It's when no needs are left that the kingdom of God gets known. Now that seems like a tall order, and, and I admit very much so uh, that it is, but hey, this is where Jesus takes center stage. This is where Jesus is really going to come forward for us. So let's keep reading from here. 
there were some uncommonly generous acts that were taking place. In verse 34 and 35, it talks about how from time to time, those who own land were, were, were selling them and they were sharing those needs amongst other people. I think it's important to know this, this wasn't a policy for inclusion. Not everyone was expected to do it. Uh, we, we talked about it last week when we were in Acts 5. We're talking about this week in Acts chapter 4. It was also expressed uh, back in Acts chapter 2. And it's like, Luke, what's, what's the deal with the repetition in his mind? Now, it's important to understand while Luke is writing, he's not writing this like a journalist. It's not his job to capture, here's what happened today, and here's what happened the next day, and the next day after that. Uh, what Luke is really doing is he's writing as a narrator. And narrators point out, here are the important themes of the story, and they find their way of re-emphasizing it. So what's so important about this one? He's actually borrowing the language back from Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 4, where God, in setting up his a covenant with Old Testament Israel said that there need be no poor people among you. Uh, Israel was God's chosen people. They were supposed to express, here, here's like what relationships look like. And by their relationships together, it's going to express to the rest of the world who God is. And that's where a lot of the rules were coming from. They set up things in place like yeah, here in Deuteronomy 15, it also talks about how every seven years, debts were going to be canceled. You couldn't keep getting ahead and leaving your brother behind. You had to notice their common needs and do something to, 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 to meet a common answer for them. And so what Luke is doing by borrowing that language and now repeating that language two or three times, it, it tells you, he's saying, this is the fulfillment of what God had in mind. What he was up to in his redemptive plan for the world is now being expressed in the church. We are the ones who notice the common need. We are the ones who now come up with the common answer. And this is going to go further in Jesus. Jesus is the difference maker. Rewind back to Luke chapter 4, where Luke is also writing. It captures the story where Jesus proclaims he is the Jubilee. Oh, the richest term for liberation in the Old Testament text of freeing people from their debts. And Jesus uses it in a way to show, I'm not just here to free your, your, your financial debts, I'm here to free your spiritual debts, your debt to sin. The, the spiritual needs and the practical needs are coming one and the same underneath King Jesus, but it's a community of people who express that to this world that are the answer for delivering it. Uh, that's why it says in Jeremiah chapter 32, 39, this was a prophecy several hundred years before Jesus saying, I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. That sound like something else we read today? Singleness of heart and action. Just like in Acts 4 where it says singleness of heart and mind. Singleness of heart and in soul, when you start bringing people together with that kind of togetherness inside of Jesus, that's when the kingdom of God moves. That was God's great plan. That was what was going to deliver his love for the world. That is what's going to carry his gospel redemption. It's fulfilled in the church and the church in both of its forms. Like Luke is trying to express, it's in the church that, that gathered as well as the church that scathered. It, it was in the 
church of Acts 5.42 that met in temple courts and the church that meant house to house. It's the big building church and Sunday worship service and it's the missional community small church. That's how this works. Um, now Luke's kind of like a, a preacher today where after he's done making his point, he tried to sprinkle in a, a little story, a little illustration. And that's where we're going to end off with, with Luke here. In verse 36, he gives us that practical everyday life example. And he says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which also means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. A um, couple important cues going on in there. Uh, they, they express that he's a Levite. That wasn't necessarily common to say, okay, here's like the heritage, the tribal name from which this person comes. But it was important in this story, and, and here's why. Uh, Levites were the minor role players in sacred spaces, in the temple worship. They weren't the priests themselves. That was a select family within the tribe of Levi. But the Levites themselves, they were in charge of uh, the facility and grounds, so to speak, uh, maintenance, they were in charge of uh, supplies and whatnot. They were, they were the behind-the-scenes people that made it possible for others to show up and go further with God. And, and, and so I think they're pointing this out because uh, uh, he, he's very much going to lean into that name and that heritage and see that as part of who he is. But inside of Jesus, he's also going to see his place in this world as is taking that a step further, not getting rid of who he was originally made to be, but now in Jesus, it's going to go further that, yes, I am a Levite, but now I'm also a son of encouragement. He's an encourager. An encourager is someone who notices needs. An encourager is someone who notices that there's a variety of different needs in a person's life. Uh, an encourager is someone who takes what they have been given from God and uses in a way to lift the other person up from their place of need to a greater place with him. Just like the old Levites would have done, setting someone up to worship, he wants to be the behind-the-scenes guys that, that, that sets people up for, for what God has from them next. And, and I like that Luke is giving attention to a guy like this because anyone can be an encourager. You and I can be an encourager. I don't know about you, but there are like some heroes in the Bible where I'm not sure I can be a David. I'm not sure I can be a Moses. But if I could be one of the many people in the background that just make it easier for people to take that step forward with God, man, that, that's something I could identify with. And, and, and that's Barney. Uh, that, that's who he is. Um, now, don't get lost in the details of the example here. He sells a piece of land in, in this instance. Um, notice he doesn't sell the roof over his head. He doesn't sell the, the food off his plate. The land is just what he happened to have available at, at this time. And so that's what he offers. Uh, he, he later um, had other things to offer. Like when the great persecutor of the church, Saul, came around, uh, Paul, uh, excuse me, uh, Barnabas found a way to encourage Saul until he became Paul. Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament. Paul, the great church planter and apostle for Jesus. Someone had to be the encourager. Someone had to uh, lift them up. 
Um, he did the same thing with a guy named John Mark. John Mark was a washed up failure, uh, kind of abandoned uh, the, the people of God in the middle of a, of a missions trip. And Barnabas comes along though to encourage him, lifts him back up again. And John Mark goes on to write the first gospel we have recorded in our New Testament. It's the gospel of Mark. You see, an encourager notices common needs. And an encourager goes and looks for common answers based on what God's given them. Whatever God has given them in that moment. Any of us can be an encourager. You know, and it's, it's going to look different at different ways and different times and, and for different people. You, maybe you got some consistent things that God's given you and other things are going to be a, a little more seasonal. Like some of you may have a timely word on hand for, for someone else right now. And, and other times you're going to be the person who's got something baking in the kitchen for someone else. Uh, sometimes you're going to be the person who rolls up your sleeves and serves and does something for another person. Other times you're going to have more money than you have time. Uh, sometimes you're going to be the person who's the listener, the counselor, the, the, the feeler in another person's life. And other times you're, you're going to be the doer, the fixer, uh, the strategizer. And the beautiful thing is it, it doesn't matter what tool God has given you to use. All, all of these are valid. All of these are help. You can use all these to encourage someone else. The important part is that you do use it. That you realize it's there from God. And it's there to share with someone else. That, that, that you get passionate about the common needs that are out there and the common answers that God has given you to contribute to it. And it's your love and your faith and your proclamation of Jesus that just can't help but pull you into that all, all over again. So let me ask you this. Lake Point, where are you going to be an encourager right now? What has God given you that you can give? Get to know the people well enough and the common problems around you and get equally as excited about the common answers that God's already put on your tool belt and, and just use it from there. We're, we're slowly going to get back into big church, big gatherings, Sunday overtime. That, that's going to be plenty slow. What I want you to focus in on now is the unique opportunity we have to make house to house shine, to make this truly what God has made it to be, an expression of church that carries the name church as much as our Sunday mornings are, because house to house is the other half of what church is. When you become an encourager, when you notice the common needs, when you choose to contribute your common answers. I'm going to close today with a reading of scripture. Um, I'm going to encourage you to stand for it out of, out of reverence for the scripture. I know uh, y'all sitting on your, your couches right now or maybe even in your patio. You're, you're comfortable. You're laying there. But uh, I don't know. Just a little respect and reverence for the word of God uh, if I could ask you to stand together. This reading comes Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement, any at all, from being united with Christ. If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, 
being one in spirit and one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus.